The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and guests, and are not based on professional expertise or training. They do not reflect the opinions or views of any counseling or psychological professional organization. We're brothers and best friends. In the last 12 months, both of our marriages officially ended. We decided to talk about it in an open forum and accept our vulnerabilities together. Know that this is hard. We'll talk about our experience and perspective on relationships, social norms, and our evolving lives that require constant adaption. We want to tell anyone listening that you are not alone in this. This is our conversation about divorce. For the first episode, we wanted to speak about where we are right now in life, after our divorces, and what that looks like for each of us at this time. First up, it's Todd's story. This past year has been a whirlwind. So many changes have happened. Nine days ago, I received my finalized divorce decree. The cooling off period in Colorado is 90 days, so we had to wait three months before the divorce was considered final. It hit a lot harder than I thought it would, but I worked to let myself feel everything that I needed to feel. I felt anxious for the date to arrive, sad that the marriage was finally coming to an end, sad that I've gone through some major shit, and happy that the divorce wasn't going to be constantly in the back of my mind. But I've worked through it, and now I don't have to worry about it, at least technically. Right now, I'm doing pretty well for myself. Only months ago, I was trapped in a marriage with someone who ultimately didn't want to be in a long-term relationship with me. It was torture. We did everything we could to help fix or resolve whatever the hell was going on. Now I'm in a state of relief. I'm no longer in that purgatory. It's now behind me, which is great. But sometimes random hard emotions hit me. They come out of nowhere. But I allow them to run their course, and it's part of the grieving process, I know. I really gave the relationship everything I had, especially working to resolve and navigate through the difficult aspects of our marriage. In hindsight, there were some major imbalance in the relationship. Some of the things that I experienced and repressed were psychologically fucked up. It messed me up now that I look back at it, and I'm realizing that now. I'm living purposefully each day, steadily getting to a much better place, and I'm happy right now, and it's about fucking time. I've worked really hard for this. I went into therapy directly after my wife told me that she wasn't attracted to me. She said that she probably never was attracted to me. I've worked through a spectrum of emotions. My counselor and I focused on attending to my emotions, self-care, and we worked through what would be an inevitable end to my marriage. 
It was and still is absolutely pivotal to my mental health, my overall well-being. We went into couples therapy as well, which was really hard work, but it helped us work through any possibility of saving the marriage. It also allowed my wife and I to navigate the difficult road ahead when we knew for sure that the marriage was headed to an end. Everything from emotions to the logistics of pursuing a divorce. The holidays brought up some different feelings, expectedly so. It was the first Christmas without our wives, something that Chad and I shared. My parents are really having a hard time with this. The last time they saw me in person was when my wife and I flew down together this past summer. She came down with me even though we were not in a good place, and we'll probably talk about how complicated and fucked up that whole thing is at a later time. So I imagine it was shocking to hear that we were getting divorced not two or three months after seeing us. We put on a good face. During the holidays, though, I made sure to speak with both of them to explain what happened. I went into more detail and made sure to let them know that they can have an open conversation with me. They still need time. Also, my circle of friends have been evolving as well because my wife and I shared the same group of friends. Sometimes it feels like my parents and friends are having a harder time accepting the split than I have. It's weird, awkward, and difficult for them. I I understand that. But they have no idea what I've actually gone through or the fact that I'm in a much better place right now in life. It just takes a conversation, a quick call, or message. I probably should have reached out and said that to some of my closer friends, but my confidence in having truly healthy friends is changing. Again, another topic for another time. The home I live in right now feels weird, if anything. So the first time I knew this house, it was before I moved to Denver. My wife and I visited the same house when we traveled here from Texas. Then we moved in that same house together, and now she's moved out. I mean, I've worked to reclaim my space, but it's just not very comfortable. I'm now looking forward to moving into my own space this spring. Making it my own, getting my own dog, and starting my new life outside of this house. It's something to look forward to. So, how's my dating life? Well, unexpectedly, I met a really wonderful person. It's just one of those things that you know something is good, and you just roll with it. I wasn't searching for it. I'm not using it as a replacement for my previous relationship. I mean, I've essentially been alone for over a year in a shit relationship while working to better myself. It taught me what I want and need in life. It's been a really fantastic experience. She's been very patient and understanding with everything that is going on, and I can't express how good it's been sharing our lives together for these few months. Not unexpectedly, though, my family and friends have been freaked the fuck out, to say the least. So it's been a slow and frustrating process, which is to be accepted and understood. What really matters, though, is what I know and how I feel about myself. I know what I want and what I need from the amount of self-care and self-awareness that I've worked towards, and I'm still working on it. 
This is hard to communicate because people really don't understand it. And that's okay. They don't have to. I now own my life and have taken control of my life. My relationship with my ex is currently civil and it's stable. But we're not buddy-buddy and that's where I'd like to keep it at this time. We've seen each other here and there. It's awkward. But at least we're not at each other's throats. However... I must ensure that any contact we have is set up to meet my needs. So that's why it's not often. It really doesn't serve me well to engage at this time. Lastly, the fact that Chad and I work through a divorce at the same time has allowed us to work through some of this hardship together, grow closer, and love each other more. That I am tremendously grateful for. You never truly understand what a divorce really is until you've experienced it yourself. It's different from your parents' divorce, your friends' divorce, and your brother's. Next up, it's Chad's story. She moved out in February, and our divorce was final in July. It had been very close to a year since she initially left the house. This has allowed me to experience all of the seasons, holidays, long weekends, anniversaries, birthdays, and any other day of significance as a single man. I have not been alone this whole time, but I did not have my wife next to me for these things, which she has been for the last 15 years. The alone time that I have had, I was able to focus on me and me alone, something I have not been able to do in years. The last 12 months started in darkness. A year ago, I didn't even know how I'd ever make it without her. Now I can honestly say that even though I may not be 100%, I have made significant improvement. I do feel like this is going to follow me for a very long time, but now, It is about how I choose to live with this and move on. Part of the divorce settlement was that I kept the house. I have never lived alone before, so this was just another adjustment I had to endure. Throughout this time, I've started making my own by changing the decorations, planting different plants, buying different dishes, cookware, etc. Changing things from the smallest to the largest to what I want in the house. Doing this has been very therapeutic for me. One of the best things I did was get active. Idle time is the worst. If I was idle, I would get into my head, which was not a good place to be in. So I got out. I started exercising more. Sunday morning bike rides became a thing. I traveled to visit friends and my brother. We even took a brother's trip to Boston, which was amazing. I started watching movies alone, which I should have done long ago. 
I learned how to play golf. I did things that got me out of my comfort zone. I also rekindled a few lost relationships with friends and family. Another good distraction for me was work, sometimes. I say sometimes because work either provided a good distraction or caused more stress. Going to work and staying focused helped me keep myself sane because I had a job to do. Splitting up was quite the adjustment. You do things as a couple, people know you as a couple, and when you aren't a couple anymore, people get weird. Friendships change for the better or worse. During this process, some people have really stepped up and others have disappeared. The best way I can describe my current relationship with my ex-wife is that we are good acquaintances. There may be a monthly phone call or a text here and there about random things from a movie, TV show, or musical artist recommendation, serious business tied to our shared belongings, or even a checkup on how life is going at the moment. Since we originally began as friends back in 2002, the initial goal was to maintain some type of friendship, which has been more difficult than anticipated due to the emotions involved in splitting up. We don't hate each other, but the hurt is there. It is going to take some time to move into this new phase of friendship. I have worked very hard to get out of the darkness I was in a year ago. Things are going well for me currently in my personal and professional life. The work isn't over yet, and I'm definitely relying on family and friends to help me with this transition. Doing this podcast, I feel, will be difficult but necessary. Difficult because it is tough bringing up these feelings again after I've worked so hard to move on. This is also difficult because I'm a very private person. Sharing my feelings over the internet is brand new to me. This can be tied back to me trying new things that take me out of my comfort zone. I say necessary because I feel that if I can help at least one person go through this hell, it will be worth it. So hi, um, I'm Todd. And I'm Chad. Um, I can't emphasize enough how unique this situation is. Um, the fact that you and I have endured the divorce at nearly the same time. And that's really why we wanted to talk about it. I do believe this is worthy of a conversation because it is such a rarity. It is, you and I as brothers... As close as we are, we went through this at a similar time. So I think this is perfect. Yeah. And, you know, they're very different from one another, but there's a lot of similarities as well. So, again, like, I'm very grateful of that. You know, I just wanted to say something really quick after my story. Um, a lot of, like, part of my personality and something that I've really worked on during this time of self-care, um, I really put others over mine my needs rather and you know right now it's recognizing like what exactly do i need how is it benefiting for me so there's a lot of that relationship that i felt that i was getting taken advantage of from a different personality so it's like aspects of my personality at the time my personality at the time rather um really kind of 
acted as like, I don't know if it's like a victim mentality, but that was really yeah, difficult can, to kind of realize. I can back that up because I, I've actually, actually had it written on my notes that I had an unhealthy obsession with making her happy. But I think that's natural. I think that just happens. It's not just because of our personality. I think it just happens a lot. Yeah, I can agree to that. And I do feel like with with these stories that we told in the beginning that we're definitely going to expand on these possibly in this episode and also throughout episodes in this series. Yeah, like um, there's tons of stuff to talk about. Like there's aspects of the story, like for example, like the way friends are affected, for example, or like what are some of the fucked up things that I feel like happen in a relationship and we can talk about that. Like I feel like those can be completely different episodes and we'll just speak about that, you know, as it feels natural. Definitely. Yeah. So when we when I was listening to your to your intro, I, I had a few notes that I wanted to, to talk about. Um one thing was and I can agree to it that I didn't mention in mine, but putting on the mask. And mm. when there was definitely a mask put on that everything was okay on the outside. And I think that's one reason why so many people were shocked on both of our ends. Yeah, right. And one thing that definitely taught me was you really have no idea what's going on with somebody, what might be in their head. You can assume everything's okay, but there's definitely a high possibility that it's not in some cases. I agree. Um, you you can't assume because there's probably something else going on than you think. When you hear that someone's going through a divorce, it really seems like, oh, God, how did they screw up? What do they do? But it's always going to be more complicated than that, depending on, you know, not depending exactly. on a party, but it's like it's a it's something that's more it's deeper. It's not just like surface level. Oh, there's this person cheated on the other person. It's more than likely that's never the case. <laughs> like, I'm sure it is in <laughs> yeah. a lot of cases, but, you know, that's w- what causes that. Like what happened um, throughout the relationship, what's the imbalance? And, you know, it could be both parties are at fault. And then, like, just to go back to putting on the face, um, like, my ex and I did that really well. And that's kind of like, that's probably what's shocking to our parents is that yeah. it's just like, oh, everything's good, everything's cool. Uh, we actually filed <laughs> and really <laughs> shocked my mom. I don't think she realized that it was getting to that point. And I thought I made it clear, but apparently I didn't at that time. So it's like part of that is parting of putting on that face is kind of like a survival mentality of just, you know, go with it, push forward. We'll deal with, deal with it at a later time. But really when I think about it for my relationship, it was really, um, my ex, she would really push it aside, um, it's kind of like the fight or flight and she liked the flight. She liked to ignore. She didn't want to really face it. It was too hard for her. Whereas I was really trying to work at it, really trying to hit the, the hard questions, um, hard topics, pushing stuff. And then part of that ignorance that she had was just ignoring that everything was really shitty. And so partying with friends, everything's fun. When in reality, it was far from that. Yeah, and it's easier to avoid the difficult things and and just you just want to go out and have fun and ignore it and I think that's a lot of times what catches up to people is you've you've 
basically bottled it up for so long and you get to a point where you can't take it anymore and you have you have all these pent up feelings you have all this stuff that has been avoided all these conversations that have been avoided because it's just easier to ignore it than it is to address it yeah and that's really the the gist of it it's easier um it's hard to like really get uncomfortable with it and face really really deep hard difficult stuff Whereas, I mean, I feel like it's absolutely necessary to do that, even if it is really difficult, really hard. Like, it's a must. It has to happen. Yeah, it's definitely key to be open, have open discussions. <laughs> yeah. It's okay to say, hey, that this is bothering me. Let's let's talk about it. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's like, hey, this is this what's on this is what's on my mind. Right. Let's address it. Let's try to talk and about it. Let's try to work through it. Yeah, and it it be it could start as something small, but definitely grow into something larger if it's ignored. Yeah, and I think that is probably always the case. That's probably a, a blanket statement, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, that's exactly what I was thinking after I just said that. No, but I mean, really, that's what happens. If you ignore something, it does grow into something bigger. Um, it, it it it's like it turns into this beast that is unsaid, unheard. It's the big elephant in the room. It's unresolved, and it just gets worse, and it gets worse, and it gets worse. Definitely. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Did you think that when, with our parents being shocked on your end, I wonder if it was just due to the fault, or due to the hope, maybe not false hope, well, it was maybe on your end, but on their end, it was probably hope that they knew you were going through counseling and hope that it would, oh, yeah. that it would pan out okay. And then when you told them, oh no, this isn't going to work, <laughs> I wonder if that was the just the what really got them. That that I mean, that could definitely be the case, because uh, you know we we were working through counseling I think since like after the holidays last year, and we were in it for a while. We tried all sorts of things. Um, so it did seem like, okay, they're heading in the right direction. Um, yeah, you're doing the right things, taking the necessary steps. Trying everything we can to see if it works. And, you know, the the idea is to go into counseling for it to, like, fix and resolve. But the ultimate thing that we went into it, the ultimate end result is, can we be in a marriage? Is this okay? Is this healthy? Is this, what the issues that we're having, can they be resolved? And that's something that you you go into counseling and you're like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And with our case, it we ended up that we couldn't be married anymore. We didn't want to be married anymore ultimately because it just wasn't working. So no, it didn't get resolved. And I don't know if that's, that's not a success factor for counseling. Uh, counseling isn't... I think it could be though. It could, but... Because you went, you went to an uninterested third party... And you talked about things, and you know that, all right, so it isn't just in our heads. Yeah, totally. You do have it out, and you discussed it, and you realize, like, okay, this is this is beyond repair. Yeah, it was almost like the confirmation. And then, you know, we, we received tools and different exercises that we could work on to kind of see if it could push us into a different place or a different reality. Um, but... I think what I'm trying to say is, like, I don't think I did this, and I probably did. I probably went to counseling saying, I want to fix this, and this is the way to do it. And then a factor of success would be if we're still married or not by the end of it. 
And now, you know, I, I really don't think that's the case at all. Um, just going into counseling and then helping through all, all of this, making sure everything is either validated or some things can be fixed, some things can be unresolved. I think just knowing that, kind of like what you're saying, is beneficial. So I still think that like that was a success, ultimately. I think so. And I think you can look back and be happy that you went through it. I mean, even yeah. though it still resulted in the divorce, you still, I feel like you did all the right steps to work on it. Right. Yeah. And I think, what was it? It was last January or February when you told our parents that you two were having troubles, right? Yeah, right. So they cut, they have known for a while that there were some issues there um, and that, that you were working on them. Yeah. And I think one thing that it probably sent them through a loop was, I mean, when you said that they, that they need a lot of time to work on this. And I think a reason for that is because they had to go through both of us going through it yeah, it's a, in one year. It's a double whammy. Yeah. And I, th- I feel like they were probably more prepared for yours, but more surprised at the end result versus basically I didn't tell them anything was wrong until she had already moved out. Right. And that, that was really shocking to them at the time. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I even realized it was at that point of like her being able to leave like that. Yeah. So that, that was definitely shocking on my end too. Cause it was that, what that first night that I called you Yeah, that, that we needed to talk. And that was the, the day after that we had the conversation. Now she, during then, she still stuck around the house for a week or two. But yeah, it was definitely, it was, <laughs> it was one of the strangest and most difficult conversations I've had with you, I think. Yeah. It, it, that was particularly, um, like sad because I was going through my shit in the here that you were going through it and then on a much more like black and white level, like, oh, she's literally going to go. Yeah. That was, I felt for you hard. <laughs> that was, that was difficult. And my God, like the, the, the shit that you went through during those like first few weeks, months, I mean, that's, that's super painful. It's, that's really it, hard. It was. And I think what it, it was just, it was the shock. I, if I could, I would love to be able to hear my voice in the conversation that I had with you the day after, because I know I was in shock still. I'm sure, yeah. And somehow I went to work that day, and it was, it it really is a blur. A lot of this is a blur. A lot of last year is blurry. I have more vivid memories of 2017 than I do 2018. Yeah, that makes sense. Just due to the roller coaster that 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 year was, because it's all started in. February. I mean, that's a very traumatic event, literally. Yeah. And that fucks your brain up quite a bit. And especially talking to someone else about it. Yeah. Versus just keeping it in the house, which is what we typically did. And I can relate to that too. Um, Just keeping it between us two, that's hard enough because you don't have anyone to talk to. You don't have any like voice of reason. And you think yeah. you're going crazy when <laughs> some things are like really bad and you're like, that's really messed up. Well, maybe it's not that messed up. Okay. And then you kind of like reason with yourself in a non-healthy manner, which I think happens a lot or it happened a lot with me. You know, that's really difficult. 
Well, I think that that goes back to what I was saying, how talking to a counselor kind of validates it. You have that third yeah, party true. involved. Yeah. To where you're not just... I guess it's maybe close to saying self-medicating. No, totally. No, that's that's probably the best way to say it. And I and I say that through experience because we didn't go through couples therapy. Right. And looking back at, I mean, even then I, I wanted to, but that just wasn't an option. Right. I mean, yeah, um, we could, that's probably another <laughs> podcast in itself. <laughs> I think it will be another episode. Yeah, because there's some kind of messed up stuff that you dealt with years before and there's an opportunity i think right that it was oh, yeah. like okay there was let's, definitely an opportunity it's like let's look at this professionally and it was just met with resistance because it was i don't want i want to say maybe five years of a difficult conversation every now and again to where of course, looking back, and one thing I want to talk about, it could be today or a different day, is you, you're you starting to look back. And, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. so you start looking back and realizing all of these red flags that popped up. You're like, oh, okay, so that was definitely a, an early warning sign Yeah, I'm, of something might be happening. I think I mentioned that, like, I'm realizing things now in my story. Yes. And it, it's it's almost frightening when you realize that, okay, it's like that is borderline abuse that I was dealing with, or that's very manipulative, or like I was completely treated like I was nothing in this, and I ignored it. I forgot it. I repressed it. And to realize that later on is, I mean, first of all, it is freeing. Um, it helps out a lot when you do realize that and you're like, oh, good. Now I'm glad that's not my problem anymore. Um, but <laughs> it really is like shocking, honestly. Any other comments about my story? Uh, yeah. So we, I, I, I feel like this is going to be another episode. I think you mentioned that is the, the awkwardness with friends, which is something both of us talked about. Yep. And we could just summarize it and I, today and expand on it another time, but I really think the awkwardness comes from they just they don't know how to deal with it. And like you said, that's okay because it's. I think only until you go through it, you don't really understand the full capacity of it. Yeah. Yeah. And some people just don't know how to act, and they just would rather avoid it. Again, going back to the avoidance of difficult things. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and it depends like how close a person is, and you have to be pretty close relationship wise or friendship wise to actually double into those deep emotions. Um, but you know, with most friends, it's just like, Hey, how's it going? Let's hang out, whatever. And that type of friendship. But, um, you know, it is uncomfortable for them. Um, uh, maybe they don't want to poke and prod. Uh, maybe they don't want to make you feel uncomfortable, but you yeah. Know, or they and definitely they, with the assumption there yeah. that, Oh, I just don't want to bother him. And maybe he doesn't want to talk about it. Yeah, and I think I said it's like, I'd rather you talk to me. I'd rather you send a text and say, how's it going? You know, I mean, because first of all, like, that's not uncomfortable for me. <laughs> I've dealt with, like, way worse in the past, like, couple of years. So, like, oh, yeah. the, the, that's the least of my worry. Um, but that's just me. Um, but it would be nice to, like, if someone is concerned, then, you know, that's good to, to know. Um, I'd rather someone ask me rather than just making an assumption. A lot of assumptions that people make also, 
with friends is that, you know, they understand what happened, even though, you know, they don't. <laughs> they think they know me or they know my ex-wife and they make assumptions based on that when they don't. Yeah. And so there's like this one guy who kind of shoved it off. This is not even like two months ago and kind of a mutual friend. And he said, what you and her are going through, it's just silly. I think it's just silly. And it really simplified it. Um, made it seem like it wasn't that like really big of a deal. And it's just like, you don't understand and you're an asshole for saying that. <laughs> like, seriously. Well, do you think it's the, the assumption based on the mask that you two put on though? Um, totally. But when you hear someone is going through like a divorce, you must understand that that mask was a facade. Yeah, I can see that. But I, I think it's the maybe just the avoidance of reality. It just some people also feel just the need to give their unnecessary opinion about things. Yeah, and that goes into like for me that talks to the point of like I'm reevaluating my friends and that's just their maturity level, the way they're thinking. So again, that's a whole nother episode. Friends yeah. definitely will be a whole nother episode. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that'll be worthy of its own. For real. <laughs> Because that's, it's definitely like one of the most difficult things that I've dealt with so far after the actual like relationship, the the grief of the relationship and the actual divorce, the friends aspect has been very complicated and very hard to deal with for me. So one thing I wanted to mention about the friends and we can, I can say it now, we can expand on it later, but I know you two had a a very large friend circle that you had mutual friends together. Right. Um, one thing that I picked up on was the, like my solo friends and some of the mutual friends, they're, they're the ones that really stood up and had my back, but it was the ones that got awkward and weird were our shared friends. Yeah. That's interesting. For the most part. And I don't know if you experienced the, uh, the same thing Yeah, with that. If you had a different, um, a different perspective from your solo friends that you didn't share. So basically all the friends that I had were shared and I experienced exactly what your shared friends showed you. So I didn't, I didn't have like solo friends that came out of the woodworks or anything, which is really difficult. Um, I wish they did, but what I found is that they really were awkward. Um, they didn't reach out really, um, even on her end. Um, she had difficulty like getting friends, hanging out, and so on. So, yeah. That's my response. Yeah, that, that makes total sense. <laughs> yeah. And again, we'll, we, we will expand on that in a different one. Right. Right now, though, one of my goals is I'm, I'm really working to figure out like what friends that I currently have that I can like pursue that are like, okay, this, these people are actually cool. They match my personality. You know, there's some of that that's available. And it's also trying to make friends, um, off of that group, I think is really important as well. So that's something that I'm like trying to actively pursue. But do you think the friends were chosen, like the ones that don't match personalities were chosen because they got along better with your ex than you? So this goes into a more complicated personality aspect of mine. (laughs) 
<laughs> um, I really surrounded myself with uh, lots of extroverts to challenge my sh- challenge myself. Um, I really liked the interaction, um, the difference of personality. I'm I'm more of an introvert, um, but you know I have extroverted tendencies, just like everybody else. You're not yeah, either. You're not one hundred percent one or the other. You're mostly both. But I'm more on the like introverted personality. So. I don't think, I think I learned or I've taught myself to not like that part of me. And so I sought an opposite personality as a friend group. So what I, what happened is I, I have a lot of these friends around me that aren't really compatible personality wise, except Mm -hmm. for like a select few, just because the majority of those is like a completely different personality. So just as a quick summary, gist of that. Well, and it, it could be also the, the yin-yang of friends, you know? Yeah, right. It, it might be boring just to have all friends that match your personalities. Oh, and definitely is. But it's also shitty to have one type of personality. <laughs> it's yeah, good definitely. to mix it up. Yeah. yeah, you need friends that match your personality. Yeah, at least sure. that. And then, you know, mix it up. But all one, it's too much. Either way. Either side, either spectrum, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So when you when you mentioned the parents... Um, I'm going to circle back to them cool. and how they need time. I wonder how differently they would have reacted if it were just one of us I, instead of both at the same time. Yeah, I imagine it would be quite different. I, because I, I know our, our mom is sad because she lost basically two daughters in one year. Right. And that's a ton to go through. And like... Not only understandable, it's relatable. Like, obviously, that's really hard to lose, like, your son's spouses. And you thought your sons were happy, um, happily married, had a good second half or better half, whatever you want to call it. And when you hear that that's gone, it's just like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> yeah, and I know that they also don't like us hurting, which... Yeah, right. The, Which any parent would, yeah. with, in their right mind, would not like that. And that's for, like, one child, <laughs> not for both of them. <laughs> not both, yeah. Or all of them. I mean, that's, again, this is such a unique situation. And it's, I, I think it's exceptionally hard on our parents. And it, it could be also difficult just due to the distance involved, how you live further away. Yeah, so, yeah, I live in Denver. Um, my parents... Our parents live in Texas. Chad lives in the same city as well. Um, I've been out of that city for a while, and I've been out of state. And our parents, um, you know, they like for me to be a mile away, and I haven't been that for a while. So that obviously has its, like, unique uh, different challenges for the relationship just between my parents and I. Yeah, and I think with, with on my case, I've had a year's worth of time and random meetups every other week or so to, to talk it out and talk about it. Now we didn't really talk about it a lot, but I do feel it was, it was more spread out than them just getting it from you in one setting. Yeah. Right. And I just have to, you know, our parents aren't the people that will just be like, Hey, how's it going? Are you okay? Um, I really have to be proactive if I want this. And if I want to be closer and to make sure that they know that I am good, um, 
make sure that we have open conversations, make sure that they're comfortable asking me questions, make sure they're comfortable telling me they're worried about me. Even that I'm trying to like proactively reach out. Um, I need to do more, (laughs) but yeah, I agree. And just get them on the comfort level of being able to do that. And that's, and I, I really wish, you know, this is just being human. I really wish I had more from this other end, from their end, but that's just not, I don't think it's going to happen. So it just requires me to work a little harder to try to do that and to reach out more. Like when you said you wanted more, you want them to like them reaching out more versus you feeling like you need to reach out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think that's just the personality. It totally is. And it's the, the reality of it. Yeah. So one thing you, another thing you said, uh, we're both of us said it where was Christmas time. And that was that was definitely probably one of the most eye-opening situations where I was like, oh, damn, I'm missing somebody here. Yeah. I'm missing her here, not just somebody. Just like for the last 15 years, you had this person next to your side. And I also mentioned it where she was just with me a lot before and getting going through that adjustment to where she's not around when we were a couple that did everything together. Yeah, totally. Um, and I really think, and I, I think a lot of people will always say this, the holidays are always the most difficult time, especially when you don't have a significant other around. Right. And I mean, I had, I, I had this conversation with you. I had a lot of anxiety going toward Christmas more than I thought I would. Yeah. Um, I think I also mentioned that like emotions hit at really random times and you don't expect it. So Christmas was one of those. Oh yeah, I've I can just be doing random things and be triggered by a memory or a story or something like that, and it could be the most ridiculous thing, like sweeping the floor. I mean, or right. just whatever. And that that definitely came up came up, but uh, yeah, Christmas, I feel amplified that. Yeah, um, I especially with Christmas, it's one of those situations where I'm like, man, I feel really down. Why? And I'm like, oh yeah. Duh. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And that's how it hits you because you're not thinking about anything. It, it just hits you so hard and in a, in a way that's not obvious. It's really difficult. Also, on Christmas, which didn't help things, I had a separate conversation with our dad, just talking about everything, making sure he's up to speed, hearing it from my voice, from me individually, rather than yeah. like, you know, from other people. Um, I did that with my mom. But then he wasn't there, so I really tried to make sure that I did that with him separately. And so, you know, even with that, coupled with that hard, like, hit of, you're, you feel a little depressed. Why? Oh, yeah. So that was a lot of different things hitting me at once on the on that day. A lot to go through. And you were, I mean, the last time they saw you, you were married. Yeah. And probably and seemingly then, fine. Yeah. And then fast forward a few months later and you're not. <laughs> yeah, like completely different. <laughs> and have, having to go through that. Yeah. Right, yeah. That sudden change. And it, it wasn't sudden, but it was sudden for them because that's just the, the only times they've physically seen you. Right, yeah. And it, I understand that. So in your story, um, you mentioned that the alone time that you had, you were able to focus 
on you and you alone and something that you yeah. haven't been able to do in years. What exactly did you focus on that you weren't able to focus on for that long, for those, for those years? I, f- I think the best thing I can say was, and it, uh, it could go back to being the, the people pleaser and just doing things that I'm interested in and learning, maybe learning myself over again. No, that's, that's, uh, that sounds right. I mean, it's, I think I try to, I almost mentioned this later on, but when you, we, we'd already touched on when it's you and your wife, that's you. Um, it's almost like yeah. a, it's a brand. So when you're not you and her anymore, excuse me, it's almost like you have to rebrand yourself. And you do. And, and that's part yeah, of it. Yeah, like I mentioned in there where people know you as a couple. Mm-hmm. They don't know you as an individual's. Yeah. So it's like starting, literally starting over. So with, with, with that, I mean, I just I basically went back to the drawing board and kind of thought back maybe to who I was prior to getting in this relationship 15 years ago, which I was a completely different person back then Yeah, because I, mean, I was in my, I was 20. Right. Which is so like young. <laughs> very young. Yeah. Yeah. So, but even though it was very young, I was revisiting the things that I knew that made me happy back then and starting to go back to that and kind of things that I've put off for the last couple of years, uh, like the golf thing. I've, I've wanted to do that for a while, but possibly just couldn't find the time or wanted to focus on other things versus spending the money to buy a set of clubs and taking the time to go play. Right. Um, and then once this happened, I, I mean, I really had all the time in the world. Every night and every weekend was free. So, and this can also go back to the idle time where I did not want to be idle because that, that got ridiculous. I got in a dark place. I didn't like it. So I I really felt like at that time, especially early on that I needed to stay busy. Yeah. And you do mention how work was a really beneficial resource yes. or like a solution. And I feel the same. Like I'm, I'm grateful for the like challenges and the amount of focus that work required on my end. It really helped me kind of take my mind away from things and it kept me busy. It did. It was a very good distraction. Yeah. And it was a necessary distraction because it, let's say, I, I don't know, something weird happened. I didn't have a job. Oh, I would not be in a good mindset. I probably still wouldn't be in a good mindset. Yeah, right. Because you can get in that whirlwind of potentially depression and nothing else to focus on. So then you just focus on yourself. And when you get in your head, you, you're, you are your own worst enemy. Yeah, I mean, it gets worse. It gets worse. It's, almost, it's a snow, yeah, it's it's snowball. Yeah, piles effect. and piles and piles yeah. based on, again, making a small thing into a large thing. Mm-hmm. And you can just sit and just f- dwell on that, dwell on it, and build it up into something that would be very difficult to break down. Yeah. I mean, there's there's something to say about what's what's the median. Like, how do you fill the emotions and how do you deal with those things in a healthy manner? Obviously, like getting inside your own head, um, falling into a deep depression is very realistic, honestly, but that's not where we want to go as, as like functional human beings, because it really just shuts you down. And it's not that that's something that doesn't happen because that happens 
without much of anything. Like you, people can't help that. I can't help that. You can't help that. But how do you deal with that then? And I think what's really important is to make sure you do feel the feelings. Um, you do ride that roller coaster. Um, you do sit and think about why do I feel like this? It's because of this. It's because of that. Um, let it let those weird emotions run their course. Take time on them. But then after that, think about something positive, what you're grateful for, and then just try to take those like baby steps into a better place. And so I think that's like super pivotal. And I, I, do, I agree. I do feel like you do need to feel the feels, but you also need to get a handle on it and maybe give the bad feels a, a specific time of the day. Like I'm going to, that's kind of hard to explain, but don't let them overtake it, but still experience it. Yeah, well, there's some times where it does hit you and it does uh, fr- freeze you, and that's okay. Oh, yeah. That's normal. And, you know, hopefully you can be at a place at work or maybe sometimes you're like, this is too much, you need to go home. And, you know, that's to do it because take care of yourself first. <laughs> like, work will be there. Um, but yeah. it's it's super pivotal to make sure, like, to know yourself to a certain point to say, okay, this is this is hurtful. It's really hard to focus and then try to institute some like self-care and at some point, whatever works for self-care, that's not toxic. <laughs> you know, that's not going to uh, really harm you in a, in a way in a long run. Like, Oh, I feel bad. I'm going to drink. That's probably not the best thing. Yeah. That's not, you don't want to, to medicate yourself to no. not feel the feelings. But it's like, I feel bad. I want to take a bath light a candle and read a book or listen to music. That's good. I want to watch the sunset because it makes me feel warm and comfortable inside. That's great. That's good self-care. It's stopping time. Allows you to reflect a little bit, which is super important. So, yeah. Very necessary recharging time. Totally. And that, that is one thing I've learned this last year is I need to recharge sometimes. Yeah, totally. And I think that's, that's an attribute to an introvert, but yeah, totally. A lot of a lot of times it's not recognized, and it's like, man, sometimes I just want to be home and just hang out with the animals. So this is this is like a good side podcast topic, which is the there's a requirement that society sets on just personality types, and it's it really rewards extroversion. But the truth is that most people are more introverted. So it feels like we're constantly getting beat down by things and activities and events that honestly wear us down. So that's, that's yeah. a whole different thing. So that's like a societal norm that is actually um, taboo. So being an introvert is something that's looked down on ultimately, I think. Kind of like a weakness. Totally. Yeah. And it's not. It's not a weakness. That's your personality. That's you. It's beautiful, you know? Yeah, you can't help it. That's who you are. Yeah. Right. And, you know, I, I've had some of my experience uh, with being married to my ex. Um, she did not understand that. And there was some shit that she said that was, like, super awful. You're not supposed to say that stuff to people. And it was because of my personality. And yeah. that's one of those things that's, like, really fucked up. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. It's like to have the personality differences. There's there's a way to handle certain things, and there's a way to not handle certain things. Yeah, and that takes maturity, honestly. 
Oh yeah. And patience and care, the amount of love. Which a lot of people lack. Yeah. Right. And you know, that's a slow realization as you grow older. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But there's plenty of great people. Um, We're great people. We're awesome. So hang out with us. Absolutely. Yeah. Without a doubt. (laughs) So you said that, you know, this whole thing is going to follow you for a very long time. And you said it's because that's how you choose to live and move on. Um, You talked about this. And do you think that we automatically feel that we should try to ignore and move on when we face something that difficult? So here again is like, do we automatically want to flee versus like address a, a difficult issue like this? I think, I think the instinct is you want to flee because you don't want to deal with it. Right. It's difficult. But when I said it's how I choose to live with it, I think the best example is with this divorce, I feel like I lost a major body part. So let's say I lost my left arm and I'm never going to get it back. It was a big part of me Mm -hmm. and it's how I choose to live without my left arm. And the significance of my left arm is I'm left-handed. Yeah. So it's very important. (laughs) It's a very important body part. And how do I choose to live without that left arm? Do I just want to sit down and drink and be depressed and be sad about it for the rest of my life? Or do I want to just accept like, okay, this is what happened. I'm not going to be able to forget it or I'm not, I don't want to forget it, but this is a, this is a significant part of my life. Right. And how I move along from it is I think is the definition of a person and I definitely don't want to let it get me down and I also use it to help me with potential future happenings in life. Well, you know, that takes time, Um, you know, because it's okay to feel down and to keep you down. But, you know, as as time goes by and, uh, and everyone, this is grief and everyone grieves in a very different way. It, it, it it's actually it can't be defined so everyone's grief is very different um it's hard to say that someone's in grief um so what you're going through is just like or what you're saying i just want to make sure that it's like it's not that you're going to be down all the time but it's one no, of those I, things I don't where think that time makes it better and so it's like as long as we allow ourselves to give us that time and it may take years it may take months may take decades who knows but this is like what i think is that it's something that's now a part of us and it will always be a part of us and exactly i I think that's okay i do too i don't think it's a bad thing it it sucks that it happened but it's definitely not a um flaw by any means Mm -hmm. um but i do agree that time does heal the wounds um kind of like what I said in my intro a year ago, I was, it was darkness. Like my future just looked black. Yeah. And now it's, it's going great. I mean, that's, there's still, um, trails of what happened or tracings or whatnot, but right. Yeah. You do get out of it. Um, I was told it was, it's a very simple saying, but someone said, Hey, you know what? It'll be all right. And 
when I first heard that, I'm like, okay, yeah, I know it will be, but this, this fucking sucks. And a year later, I'm like, okay, yeah, you know what? It will be all right. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is like good to hear that someone tells you it's going to be okay. You're like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But then like, I'm in the same place where now I, I feel like I'm in a, one of the best places I've been for quite a while. And it, I am okay. I'm actually great. So yeah. it's like, and that's a great realization. Yeah. And you know, we, we sometimes look at like divorce subreddits or some other ones that are related to what we're doing. And, you know, sometimes we'll have, they'll have people post like, I just want to tell you it's going to be okay and it's going to suck, but it's going to be okay. So it definitely gets better. There's way worse divorces out there than what we, we dealt with. We don't have kids, oh, for yeah. example. So I think that, we both had very civil divorces. Yes. Yeah, totally. And but even that, um, people with those types of uh, experiences, even they get out in a better and uh, a, a better place than you know when it initially hits them or something like that. I guess the big and a lot of that, especially with the subreddits and whatnot or any kind of forums, there's a potential of having people that are stuck in that darkness or it's that maybe have been going through it for a while or it's brand new. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's definitely not the healthiest place to be when you're trying to find help. I don't recommend any of those for help. (laughs) Yeah. So I agree. Ultimately, um, like if someone's going through this, they need professional help or they need to talk to their family and friends. Like that's huge. Um, that what, what's happening on Reddit is sometimes you get some good stuff, but mostly it's a lot of bad advice on it. This is my opinion. So yeah. We're probably a lot of knee jerk reactions. Of course. Yeah. And yeah, definitely you, you don't want to take on this fight alone. No, 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 no. You, you definitely need to have your, your backup. You're like, what is it called? Your, your support group of some yeah. sort, whatever that is. Yeah, whether or not it be family, friends, coworkers, uh, yeah. whoever, church, whatever the hell it is. Yeah, exactly. Your church or your groups mm-hmm. or meetups, uh, hobby hobby activities. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So um, you talked about. We both talked about making our living spaces into our own, and yeah, like how therapeutic that can be. Um. I think that it's really shocking. Yeah. Well, it, how therapeutic totally. it is. I mean, because it's really redefining your space and it feels like you're owning something like you have control over that now. And it's almost like that's a, this little aspect that it feels like you have control over your life again. <laughs> and that's a really good feeling. It, after and saying control over your life again is difficult because I don't feel like I lost control of my life. But my life involved two people. Yeah. Well, it, instead of just yeah, one. Yeah, I'm definitely speaking for myself because um, I, I was kind of put in a position of I knew what was going on is bad. I couldn't do anything to help or to push this in a better positive area. So, yeah, for me, reclaiming my space was like I, have, I can do something better. And this makes me feel better. This is awesome. <laughs> so it's more black and white. So, yeah. Yeah. And like I said before, I have never lived alone. Right. So this is, I'm 36 years old and this is brand new to me. So 
decorating and buying and whatever. Just what I want is if it's, if it's scary at first and then I'm enjoying it. So even like replacing the bath mat or the shower curtain, just something that costs $10 can make you feel so good. Yeah. I mean, I um, replaced photos and frames. I rearranged a little bit, um, decorated the bathroom just a little bit. So it was small, but still it was beneficial. But I think that the point that I wanted to make is that for me, living in that same space has been still difficult, even with all of that said and done. So how do you feel about that? So, and that was one thing I did have written down is a home holds so many memories. And that's, I feel like that's what makes it a home. So when you're still in that home, and certain spots of the house or again just the small triggers and what you're doing can bring back those memories so i do and originally i was very reluctant to stay here stay in this house right i'm like oh that's just we've had so many so many stories happen so many memories and it could have been an avoidance of it or like i just want to get out or just see the place burn down or or whatever right but as another result and of time healing things, I'm able to look at it more responsibly. And as an adult, I'm like, no, this is my house. Like this, I'm making it my place. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there was a previous version of Chad in this house for the last however many years. But this is this is my place now. Yeah, that's great. So what it, what do you? What do you think about that? Well, um, what my house has a lot of different aspects, not just with the marriage, but it's with like a, a friend group that I feel like I'm starting to redefine quite a bit. And um, a lot of that friend group um, does mesh into some of the issues that my wife and I had. So it was the avoidance of dealing with our issues and then having fun with our friends instead. So staying up late at the house, you know, not going to bed, st- stuff like that. Um, you yeah. know, I, that's still in the house to me. Um, I still don't feel like it's my house period because I have roommates and I think I'm too old to have roommates <laughs> at this time. Um, <laughs> that's a good I mean, point. In Denver, it, it's different. Um, you, it's very well, common. It's just the way of life yeah, in that area. Is. But yeah. I don't want roommates. So that's another aspect. So I really am looking forward to moving out. And starting over at a new place, I think that's the ne- the next biggest thing that I'm going to experience, and next freeing thing that I'm going to experience. So, I'm I'm really excited to do that. And I, I totally get that. I would, if I ever get to the point, or whenever I get to the point to where I do want to get my own place, I think it's going to be very exciting. I think it's going to be a little scary. Oh yeah. Um, but at the same time, this is like just making a decision on me or just for me to move into a new place. I think that will be very exciting. Yeah, I agree. And have one place that's 100% yours. It was never shared right, or anything like that. And it being shared is not a bad thing. I'm just saying that this is, this is your decision, your decorations, your, your, whatever you want in there is yours. It's your place. Right. It's Todd's pad. Yeah, totally. Exactly right. Uh, that's what I'm looking forward to. And also, like, you know, this is 
almost besides the point, but not really. I live in the basement, so I need more sunlight. So when I go home, like I <laughs> yeah. hang out in the basement, and it's always always feels like it's night. And that in itself is just like it's just not an ideal situation overall. Yeah, your windows are so small. Yeah. I mean, my bedroom actually gets decent light, but but you can't see out because it's that. Yeah, it's like those stupid basement obstructed windows. glass or whatever. Yeah. yeah, they're like two inches <laughs> tall. <The> height <laughs> two inch two, cubes, two by like fours, and that's it. They're like business card sizes. Yeah. So I think that will be definitely refreshing on your end. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, I'm totally looking forward to that. And it, it is scary. Um, looking for a new place, starting over, um, figuring out the logistics of the move, you know, all that stuff. But ultimately, it's going to be good. I really think so. I'm getting to the point where I'm about to buy new furniture, which is it's a huge purchase for your home anyway. Yeah, right. And so I'm, like, getting to pick out exactly what I want, what I – think will fit best and all that it's it's definitely an experience because previously i'm just like oh you like that yeah okay let's do it so you're just gonna get like six lazy boys yeah pretty much and just put them all together yeah (laughs) stitch them together so i can just kind of roll around that sounds brilliant and one will have a built-in beer cooler of course Uh, one will have a serving tray you know just the typical uh bachelor stuff i can install a uh (laughs) beer um keg kit and then have a spout there you on go. the side of each <laughs> just have it ready before next football season i think that would be great we're gonna get so unhealthy but then you have to like build some type of restroom facility because you're you're not going to want to get up if you can just pour a beer while you're sitting down what's the point we just fire up that home um improvement episode then where it's toilets on the seat <laughs> got the beer and everything yeah, i mean the toilet has the recliner the man's bathroom let's yeah, get the blueprints for that that's all we need <laughs> I'm sure they exist on the internet. There has to be at least one person that has built this. Probably. And it and it's an awful, awful design. Exactly. It's like particle board. Things are falling down. It's not one hundred percent safe. It probably smells like a porter potty that's been like just sitting out in heat for the next five days. Yeah. Or like yeah, like baking in the sun because I'm sure the ventilation is off. There's no ventilation. It's just a vacuum. No. So actually, when you do your business, it all just flies right back at you. <laughs> That's wonderful. Oh, yeah. Anyway, let's get back. But you're comfortable. Yeah. Anyway, let's get back to serious talk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kind of went off on a tangent for a little while. Um, so uh, you talk about we both talked about the relationship with our ex-wives. Yeah, and. You um, said that it's going to take some time to move into the new phase of friendship. So this is a really huge difference from my situation. My ex-wife, she would love to be buddy-buddy. But a lot of the relationship was her acting as if there was nothing serious going on. And then escape the hard issues, like we've already, like, stated over and over. Mm -hmm. But to like consider being buddy buddy it almost is like well so you just want to have what we had before where it sucked dick like not literally <laughs> yeah. obviously but it really sucked ass and so yeah, cause, like the friendship was shitty so why do we want to go back to well, that? that's what she thought that you know we were better friends than a romantic relationship or even being in a yeah. marriage so just like, no, I. that's not the way it was. Um, 
anyway, it was brutal. So I feel like that this could be discussed in another episode, but I feel like that saying is also a cop out. What's that? That we were better friends than as a couple, because I mean, I was told similar oh, it's things. Stupid as hell. Um, yeah, it, and it doesn't really go into what really happened. I mean, I have a spiel that I tell people, and I think she does too. And you know, I try to be more as black and white as I can, but not provide too many details. And then she, hers is basically just, you know, we we were better friends. And it's like, no, I hated being friends with you because you weren't, you didn't want to be in a relationship with me. Like we were married. <laughs> yeah. Um. So all of that said, I right now have to make sure to set really obvious barriers of what's okay and what is not, and she really doesn't have a a good like hold or natural sense of what's appropriate as far as barriers are concerned. So at this time, like I choose not to pursue anything, but you know, if we need to speak to each other for like any whatever reason that we need to, that's fine. But it's just not appropriate at this time to have anything more than that. And that's totally understandable. Um, on my end, I guess the big thing that I may, I maintain that we were friends before and I'd, I'd hate to not be friends afterwards. I'm not actively seeking a, a friendship. I'm taking it day by day and just not putting a lot of effort into it or putting a lot of thought or emotion into it. Yeah. Uh, but I do feel that, I mean, she was a part of my life for so long and I'd hate to just not realize that. So I don't want to hate anybody or anything like that. I mean, the hurt is there, like I said before, and it's still difficult. And I think it's an evolving process and it may come out to where we just eventually we just never speak again. Yeah. And that that wouldn't bother me. Right. I mean, it, it it's still a little sad just to share so much with someone and not have that contact anymore. Yeah, I I experienced that a lot, like the sadness that it's gone. And it's not that yeah. I miss her. It's just life has changed like so much and probably, I mean, right now it's for the better. But to have someone that you've lived with for a while and were with for a long time, you made a life, you went through some difficulty together, and now that it's gone, it's just sad. That's just the way it is. And I don't, like, dislike her, or I don't hate her, and I'm not, like, incredibly hurt to a point where I don't want to speak to her. It's just she has a tendency to really not give a shit about my needs. So Yeah. So I, and that's, yeah, yeah, I, I totally get we've that. We've talked about this quite a bit just on our own, but it's really, we, we never understood, I never understood the phrase, you can't have your cake and eat it too. And I'm like, that's stupid. But once this all happened, I'm like, oh, she wants to have a friendship, but doesn't want to be in a long-term relationship. Oh, she still wants to be in a relationship with my family, but she doesn't. But she wants the benefits of being married without being married. How how about that? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The benefits of being married to a really good guy, but not the responsibilities that go with that. Yeah, there you go. So that's been a harsh reality. And that that has been something we discussed a lot. Yeah, quite a bit, actually. Yeah. And it just... Because, yeah, you didn't really initially get that when I first said it. I remember you telling me oh, that. Oh, yeah. Well, then you, you then... went through some shit. 
hands through. They're like, yeah. oh, yeah. It's like, oh, it makes sense now, yeah. Right. Um, you also said that, like, you've worked really hard to get out of the darkness you were in a year ago, and I just wanted to ask you to elaborate on what that, like, darkness looked like. Hmm. That, so the darkness was, I, I would say was the beginning of something that could be very bad was the the sadness the depression um i didn't sleep well i drank more i put on some weight i just really didn't give a shit um i never was suicidal because I, I don't there's there's a lot of backstory on that that where i would never be suicidal just because of me but i I know I realized that I was getting into a very bad spot for me. Yeah. Um, and so the, all the things that I summarized in the story, getting out, working out, doing things that got me out of my comfort zone, talking to people, being more proactive and getting things like that planned. Those are the things I did to get me out of that darkness. Cool. Yeah. So that's good. That's, that was my next question is like, how did you get out of it? And it was all those activities yeah. And being proactive about like going on a bike ride on Sunday and stuff. And just having, and I'm very appreciative of like how we were raised. And I feel like both of us have a very good head on our shoulders to where we can realize like, hey, this isn't right. This isn't a good spot to be in. Well, it's the, you know, it really is like, I don't feel happy. I want to be happy. Yeah. And to be happy, it takes a lot of work, a lot of hard work. And it, it I, does. And there's something about the, the way, so it, it, it's combined with the way we were raised, but more than anything, it's the way that our life has showed us thus far. Just, just the way our different experiences, different experiences and different situations and the way that we've just been as adults that have really drove that. Uh, for me, also, just going through like professional counseling, um, that's also something that helps me define, okay, I'm not happy. What are some things that I can do to work on that? Or maybe work on some like self-esteem issues, uh, stuff that we've talked about, like the first thing, which is, you know, I think I'm trying to meet others' needs rather than my own. So make sure I'm meeting my own, mm -hmm. stuff like that, that you don't realize until you have like some insight. Which is absolutely pivotal. well. It could be yeah, having the time to think about it too. Yeah, reflection. And so here's something that's I think I wouldn't say yeah. Fuck it. I think it's rare for people to really, um, as a whole, to set time for themselves to meditate and reflect. And I think it's super mm -hmm. pivotal to understand oneself. It is very important. Yeah. And I think I told you this, like when I was like the first few months in. I was just sitting there one day, and I think it might have been around my birthday, which is in May. And I was just kind of sitting there. Of course, I was drinking. And I kind of looked down and saw the, the gut that was forming. <laughs> and I'm like, this is bullshit. And I, I really think the next day I started going out and doing more. And just that, I feel like that was the awake moment that I had. To where, like, I have to do something because the path I am on right now is not healthy. Yeah. And I would say, like, and physically it, and mentally. 
Oh, definitely physically and mentally. And if I let it go longer, it would have been more difficult, if not impossible to get out of. I wouldn't say impossible, but I would say rock bottom scenario. Yeah, I I do feel like I was definitely rock bottom. Well, I'm glad you got out. I'm glad you, I'm Me glad you too. did that. Yeah, because that is not the case anymore, yeah. which is amazing. Um, you talk about that this is really difficult because you're a private person. Um, sharing your feelings open, openly sharing your feelings like this is brand new, yes. and you know it's tied back to you doing new things um, out of your comfort zone. And I just want to like tell you that you have balls to share your feelings like in this medium. And especially, well, thank you. especially like when you're not used to doing that, I think it's strong and it's badass. Well, I think you and I have talked a lot about it, but the I've never talked about it in an open forum like this, especially with whoever's listening yeah. to hear this. I don't know who they are. I don't know. They don't know me. And it's, it's, it is very, it's a very different medium for me. And I do, I do appreciate you acknowledging that. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because it is difficult. Yeah. But I mean, it's, I think it's good. Um, there's something to say about vulnerability that it's okay to be vulnerable. And that's what we're doing, especially oh, yeah. when it's like, okay, I'm not used to talking about this. This is some deep feelings. Cause we're taught to like be afraid of those feelings growing up, but these aren't okay. We should hide those. We should push those back. But in reality, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to show emotion because that's how we become like stronger people and self-aware. In my opinion. Yeah, and how, how you can build off of that. Right. Cool. Um, please subscribe and download Brothers Divorce wherever you listen to podcasts. If you do enjoy this, please review it and let us know what you think. If you're in a crisis and need intervention and support, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. If someone you know is in crisis, please reach out to them and help them. If you're feeling like you need professional help, visit psychologytoday.com and search for therapists near your zip code. It's right there on their homepage. Brothers Divorce is produced by Chad and Todd Colston with Rank Beast LLC. Music is by Todd Colston. <laughs>